0: Hi, I'm Lauren Denning, and welcome to my podcast, The 20-Minute Scriptorian, where I explore the LDS scriptures and the path of the disciple of Christ. I'm a long-time gospel doctrine teacher, sometime institute and seminary teacher, and a current theology student. My friends and I are often discussing history, context, and theology, and thought that you might appreciate it too. I think of it as a bridge between academic and inspiration. However, these opinions are my own and not an official representation of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Thanks again for listening, and I hope this will be a blessing to you on the road to discipleship. Welcome back, Scriptorians. We are headed into Philippians, and we actually get to do some of the actual scriptural verses today instead of just all about, since we have a little bit more time to jump in. Now, I have a lot to say about Philippians. If you listen to the all about, you'll know This is one of my favorite towns, so I I just love the scripture. And let me just give you Lori's personal aside. Uh, Today we're going to talk a little bit about the structure, but I do want to get into this uh, prayer, this poem that's in two, so we'll try to jump to there. But before we get there, let's do a little structure. That's what we will do today in Philippians. Okay, first, let me just do a little aside about this one. Um, I had to do in one of my classes... We had to do a lot about how to interpret the Bible and they really cautioned us against what we call eisegesis. I know I've mentioned that, but where you just kind of proof text or you kind of just dump in what you think, or you just you have an idea and then you just flip around and see if you can find a scripture that supports it. Obviously that's probably not what these scriptural writers or the prophets were intending because you're just picking and choosing, you're cherry picking, right? So um, they really were teaching us to, to dive in and, and use regular techniques like read the whole thing and outline it and look for repetitive words and then also know some of the styles. Like in the Old Testament, they might use a lot of poetry. Um, and and so one of the – this that's all we did in this class was interpretation. And and you didn't get to put your own interpretation. You had to try to show what they were saying. And for our final, we had to write a commentary. So I don't know if any of you used commentaries. I love commentaries, but they are just someone's ideas. And we had to basically write a commentary on either Philippians or the first part of Daniel. Now, if you know me and you've been listening to this very long, you know that my true love is the Old Testament. And so I, of course, chose Daniel. But I had to do about half the work on Philippians. And so I pulled up some of my work from that class. And I'm not that smart, so maybe you can help uh, understand Philippians. But one of the reasons I I strayed away from Philippians is that, I've said it before, I find Paul very hard to understand, so I really have to dig in. And uh, so, well, let's dig in. Let's see if we can figure out what Paul was trying to say. But I do love Philippians. I love the tone. It's um, got some amazing doctrine about Christ in here that I think is very applicable, as well as the situation with the church being so young and culturally diverse is very similar to us today so I think we we have a lot we can learn it's only four chapters so it is worth your a read it will take you 20 minutes or less I don't know eight minutes it's not gonna take you very long to read Philippians so read it dive in but one of the challenges I'm going to give you is see what you can do with watching for repeated words he or repeated themes it might not be the exact word but you'll see the idea repeated over and over he has three or four themes that he repeats over and over and uh it carries through and it really you can start to see it develop so look for repeated words and repeated themes as you read it and we'll go through some of them together all right let's dig in so let's go to first uh or philippians 1 Okay, first, let's talk about the structure. There are a number of themes, and it's almost broken up by chapter, but not quite, that Paul is going to discuss, and it's just as helpful to think of these. They're arbitrary. I've said this before. If you don't like my structure, come up with your own. This is not gospel. This is just a way to think about the book and help you kind of keep things in mind. So I change my structures and uh, outlines all the time, but sometimes it helps me just kind of follow the flow. So let's do that. I came up with four, three, three, mostly three uh, sections. The first is that Paul explains kind of what's going on with them at Rome. So I, sorry, the first, you always get a greeting. We've talked about that where he says who it is, who's it going to, and uh, some kind of blessing or something like that, uh, which we called out in Galatians because it was so different. But he does his typical greeting in the beginning. But then in about verse 12, so chapter 1, 12 through 26, Paul explains his situation at Rome. Now he is in Rome. He is in jail. He's writing from there. So sometimes these letters are called the prison epistles because he's writing them from prison. Um, Although he never calls them that. That's just a thing that scholars do. So next time you're in your come follow me class, you can just throw that around. Well, of course, this is the prison epistle. But anyway, he's writing from prison and he is explaining what's going on there in uh, that first part of chapter one. And though he was concerned about a divided christian community he you get this outlook that's very strengthened he's encouraged by the knowledge that christ was being magnified and that paul has this theology of life that creates an optimism so you see this optimism that well he is in jail he has an optimism in the role of the savior in his life and whether he lived or died whether he continued his service or not, whether he went on to new rewards or had to do more missionary service, if he was appreciated or not, he wanted Christ to be glorified. He wanted to focus on his role as a servant of the Lord. And Philippians describes this commitment perhaps better than any of Paul's epistles. One of the assignments that, um, I had was I had to uh, go through, I mentioned I had to do this commentary, and I had to go through and describe some of the themes that were maybe comparing and contrasting in this letter. And this is one of them that you're going to see, is that he really talks about what gain and loss, what true reward is. And remember, he's in jail in Rome. And this isn't the kind of jail like we have. Uh, this is the kind of jail where it's terrible. And nobody brings you any food and nobody brings you any clothes or anything. And you have to be supported from somebody else. And it was seen very, you were seen as just such a terrible person when you were there that people didn't, they just died in jail all the time. And so it was a terrible, terrible place. And of course, he is a Roman citizen. However, the Roman church was divided at the time. Um, We saw that in Romans. And so it's just, it's a tough time. So you're going to see this contrast about the situation. So that's the first kind of section. The second is that Paul's really going to encourage them uh, for unity. So remember, we talked about all of the diversity of this ethnic community, their gospel time. One of the things that's going to jump out or should jump out of this is slavery. Slavery was common then, and this slaves and masters and freemen and women, everybody worshiped as unified Christians at this point. And that's really unique. So side by side, you could be sitting with a slave and they would be just as equal as you, church. And then when you go out of church, you're like, oh yeah, back to being a slave. Um, so it's hard for us to imagine, but it was a very common situation. And one of the names that Paul uses for himself, as well as for Timothy and some of the others are a slave or a servant. We'll come back to what that meant more to the Hebrews uh, or Jews and to the Greeks or Romans at the time. But remember this call for unity. So we see that from one twenty-seven through about midway through 2. So chapter 2.18 is kind of the second idea. So the church was divided. He lived with daily reminders of this, effects of it. uh, And it threatened the Philippian church a little bit. And one of the places we see this is that there were a couple of prominent women That differed with each other. And so just like today, people are people. And so a couple of the prominent women differed. And so he's going to talk about selfishness being at the heart of this problem. And this is just part of the problem of being human. And he reminds everybody of of Christ as our exemplar of being humble. And that would, uh, if we allow Christ to guide our lives, harmony would be restored. And then this hymn to Christ dominates the epistle. So I want to I want to do that next. But that's in chapter end of one and midway through two is this unity and this hymn to Christ. And it's probably a real hymn that we don't have anymore. Beautiful, and I want to make sure we go there. It is fantastic. Third, we head on from about chapter three, most of chapter three. Let's just say verse two through twenty one. He warns of this Jewish legalism. These uh, Jewish leaders and teachers that are threatening to destroy the congregation, the vitality, and the life by kind of a preoccupation with the external matters. And so Paul's going to counter this with a really strong teaching of justification by faith. I don't want us to get too, I just, caution, 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 take this in context takes this in context of what's going on there that people are saying, hey, if I check the boxes, I I will have made it, right? I'll be saved or I'll be justified. I'll be made pure by just checking the box. We know this to be kind of letter of the law, right? I well, I went to church, but I was a jerk the rest of the time. Or I um I followed some outward look, but I was inwardly not really a Good member of the church, so so he's going to talk about that, and he's going to counter this uh, applicable to us today, not with their specifics, but generally. So he's going to express this through a personal experience, and he is going to say he lived their message. Remember, he was a Pharisee, and he found it lacking. So that's kind of the third section. Lastly, he's just going to thank him again for their financial support. He's going to uh, we introduce Epaphroditus and and some of those guys. So pretty cool, pretty cool. So that's kind of your overview lesson of what's going to go on in. Philippians. So remember first situation at Rome, second church exhorting the church to unity in chapter two. And then three, beware of this legalism, beware of the letter of the law and remember where faith is. Okay, so that's kind of the gist. So as you go through that, look at it. Now I'm gonna give you an assignment before I jump to the most awesome hymn ever and we run out of time. But I want you to look for as you read through in your study. And you don't have to do it, but if you're going to be a scriptorian, you might as well jump in. But I want you to look uh, for a number of contrasts that he will use. So he may be using um, things like loss and gain, assets and liabilities. It depends on what translation you're going to look at. Uh, King James uses losses and gains. Um, And he's going to use... uh, He even says... it turns to crap. He uses the word dung. So he's very strong. So don't, don't let the scriptures disturb you, but he, he's going to talk about what is really loss and what is really gain. So all three trans, a uh, couple of translations that I looked at used loss, gain, assets, liabilities. Um, and I want you to look as your assignment as I want you to see where he's going to use some compare and contrast. He's going to try to show you by doing that, what really matters. So see if you can't pull something out of that a significant uh, change in meaning um another thing that i want you to do if you want to take another assignment is i want you to look at at least two english versions if you're speaking english if you're speaking another language i don't know why you're listening to this podcast but try another language and see if you can see any significant differences and if it changes the meaning so say take king james which you're familiar with and then take something else Um, if you want to go kind of middle of the road you can do the new revised standard nrsv if you want to go also kind of middle of the road, uh, English Standard, I like both of those a lot. If you want to go to something that's going to be a, a little more interpretive and less King Jamesy, y uh, you could do like the New English Translation. It's N-E-T. But try try one if you want to do, um, you could probably try any of them. The one I wouldn't try, there's one like The Message and a couple of those, and they're just trying to give you like a paraphrase, so they're not really a translation. So I stay away from that one. You can, but just know what you're getting into when you get it. It's not a translation, but try it. See if you can see any differences and note them. Uh, see if you learn anything different by trying a translation. Now, don't be afraid of it. It's you're gonna see it's not very different, and sometimes <laughs> it really is like, oh, I didn't. That's not what I thought that word meant. So, so try a couple of translations. So do your compare and contrast, and see if you can find. Uh, at least two other translations and just compare them and see and see what you find in this since it's very brief so just go verse by verse just line them up I like biblegateway.com you can use bible hub Um, you can they're all online free just type it in and and try them right on your screen takes five seconds okay so there's your assignments let's go to Philippians 2 I want to do this hymn so flip over to there now so this is found in Philippians 2, 5 through 11. It's very brief. And, and so I'm going to read it and I want to read it in two different forms, just like I just challenged you. So I'm going to read it first in the King James, and then I'm going to read it in the NRSV uh, just so that you have an idea. So I want you to listen for something. Remember, he's going to be talking about this disunity or the problems where we put ourselves different than someone else. And this is his response Is this hymn so uh, Philippians 2 and it really is I said 5 but it's 6 through 11 and he's talking of Christ and he says so he's saying let's uh, he said he starts out saying with before the hymn the first uh he's introducing it by saying let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus and here's the hymn who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God But made himself of no reputation, he took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name. And at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Okay, did you catch it? Uh, Two sides to the story, right? First, Christ humbled himself and then was exalted. There's your compare and contrast. Let's read it in the NRSV and see if you see uh, any, just catch it, anything else. Uh, The NRSV starts in verse 6. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard God regard equality with God as something to be exploited but emptied himself taking the form of a slave being born in human likeness and being found in human form he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even death on a cross therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Any differences? Did you see anything different? In the poem form, um, it's a little easier for me to see the two sides that it's this compare and contrast between being humble, being in the form of a slave, being in human likeness. Remember, this is the creator coming down and he's humbling himself. And not only that because He humbles himself so much to be killed and not just killed, but killed on a cross, the Roman implement of death that was saved for only the worst. So, so God himself, the creator puts himself in this position of ultimate humility. And yet what is the result? The second verse that God exalts him, the father exalts him and gives him the name that is above every name, his name, his reputation, his power is above everything else that at the name of Jesus. And we know these lines, every knee should bend and every tongue confess. Wow. And he's saying, if that was the key for Christ, how much more is that the key for us and our communities that we should be more humble? We should take on us the name of Christ and be humble, and then we will be exalted. Ah, such a beautiful, such a beautiful hymn. Um, take a minute with it. I, man, this is, this is just the gospel in a nutshell. Uh, we learned so much about Christ and his role and the role of the father, as well as how this appeals to us. It, you couldn't get more in, in just two tiny paragraphs, um, but this is the emphasis. So it's this emphasis, this model, right? Humility and that, The actions of Christ he leaves his glorious pre-existent to come into humanity and die and that as Philippians or as us as disciples uh, if we did this the problems of disunity would be solved if we did this is what he's saying if you have disunity and contention in your congregation or your family or somewhere he is saying if we did this the problems would be solved um what do we know about this hymn? We don't actually know if this was actually a hymn of the early church or not. Some believe that it was. So, if you had the hymn book from way back when, you would have flipped it open, and everyone would have known it. Known it, but not. We don't know that for sure. Um, and, but I do love that it shows the role of Christ as 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 a sacrifice, as as an atonement. And here it is, right here in Philippians. So, a, a beautiful a beautiful version of what Christ did for us, but also to teach us. Um, so, so that's kind of it. Uh, uh, the first three verses, kind of the lines have a, that compare and contrast, which makes a negative and a positive statement. And so the verbs kind of, you'll see the verbs kind of reveal that pattern. He did not consider, but he emptied himself. He humbled himself. Right. And so, and then you see in the second verse, you'll see a parallel. God exalted him in order that every knee should bow. He gave him in order that every tongue confess. So, so it has this uh, the structure. The beginning kind of shows us this negative and positive, And the structure on the second is kind of in an order that he did this so that. Ah, if you guys are literary people, jump in here because this is cool stuff. But I'm gonna I'm gonna let you dig into that um, a little bit more. But if uh, if you wanted to know more about the role of Christ and how we can apply it, it's right here in Philippians let's do that. Um, Okay, so that is Philippians 2. Let's uh, touch on one more thing. and We'll close. We don't have a lot of time. We're actually out of time, but I wanted to touch on one last thing, and that's kind of this, you're going to see this working out our salvation in 2.13, as well as our responsibilities as obedient Christians, and Paul makes this very practical. While we're not, we're not held to this letter of the law, we are supposed to change, and he's going to talk about the precise words of fear and trembling right we're supposed to work this out in fear and trembling meaning it's a relationship with God and we should conduct our lives with seriousness and reverence um how he worked with us but also we were supposed to live consistently f- towards salvation we are we are um changing who we are because Christ has given us this opportunity through his grace so I. Uh, you'll hear this debate I certainly hear it at school where it's like works and faith and we don't really believe it, it works that equation like that at all and here Paul is telling us that Christ saves us through his grace and yet we need to be better we need to be working on becoming better people and it's a real thing uh so take a look at the end and see if you don't see how we can work out our salvation with fear and trembling because that's how he taught us and um Wow. Take a look at Philippians. We're out of time, but there you go. Philippians is awesome. It is worth a th- uh, worth your look. And remember that through here, we learn that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bend and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord.